Hey all, you are listening to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast, and thanks so much for tuning in. Today I'm going to cover tetracycline antibiotics. I would say, you know, in comparison to something like a penicillin antibiotic, like amoxicillin, uh, tetracycline antibiotics are probably used a little less frequently than that. Um, however, doxycycline of the tetracyclines uh, is probably the, the one I see most. So uh, some examples, doxycycline, brand name Vibromycin, uh, tetracycline, uh, minocycline, uh, brand name Minocin, and demeclocycline is another uh, tetracycline antibiotic, which kind of has a unique um, potential use that I'll, I'll cover here. Mechanistically, how do these drugs work? Well, in their antibiotic activity, they bind to the 30S ribosomal subunit. And ultimately what that binding does is it inhibits the bacteria from producing necessary proteins for them to uh, continue living as well as uh, proliferating. So 30S, sub ribosomal subunit, uh, is where these drugs uh, primarily bind and the activity that they work on. Fantastic uh, test question I've definitely come across uh, in my career in, in pharmacology. Now, with the mechanism and helping to obviously kill bacteria, treat infections, there are certain infections that these drugs tend to treat or have more activity against. And one that I classically see in, in my area is Lyme's disease, and doxycycline is the drug of choice for that um, infection there. Other conditions, disease states, uh, you might see doxycycline used as an alternative uh, in pneumonia, for example. Uh, you may see it used for other skin and soft tissue infections. I also remember kind of throughout school, um, doxycycline kind of being an alternative for lots of different uh, unique uh, infections that, that don't happen very often. So lots of uses, potential uses for doxycycline, um, but very few, I would say, that it's generally the first line agent um, you would pick. So um, especially in the, the more common infections. So kind of take that with a, a grain of salt there. Now, doxycycline, that's kind of the one I'm focused on most, does have MRSA. And for those of you that might not remember, MRSA is methicillin-resistant staph aureus. It's kind of a bug that is resistant to a lot of different uh, antibiotics, which can be troublesome to obviously treat. Doxycycline is an oral option. Uh, that does have activity. Obviously, we've got IV medications like vancomycin, uh, linazolid, um, which is also oral. But um, with that, the doxycycline can help um, manage a potential outpatient uh, MRSA-type situation. Let's get into side effects of these medications. And as far as side effects go... With most antibiotics, you can probably um, lump them all together where there's um, highest incidence is going to be GI upset, things of that nature, you know, nausea, potentially vomiting, potentially diarrhea. Uh, that pretty much goes with most antibiotics. 
there is potential for rash and skin issues as well. That's going to be a little less likely than some of the GI stuff. Uh, but we've also got this potential for photosensitivity. So that's an increase in the risk of sunburn. So depending upon the time of year, depending upon the area you practice and work in, uh, that photosensitivity risk of sunburn um, may or may not be as relevant uh, to you. Now, one really important thing that I've definitely seen uh, come up on in pharmacology exams and board exams is uh, the issue with using tetracycline antibiotics in pediatrics. Now, these drugs are not, in general, supposed to be used in pregnant females and in kids. So keep that in mind uh, when we're considering these, these drugs. And the reason they're not supposed to be used is they can cause some tooth discoloration, or at least that's kind of the most uh, classically well-known symptoms, and really cause some uh, permanent uh, discoloration damage to the uh, teeth when using these medications. So definitely a, a big concern and definitely something that uh, you really want to watch out uh, closely for um, females, maybe particularly of, of childbearing age. I'm going to finish up on drug interactions, but I wanted to make you aware. Uh, definitely help support the, the podcast and me continuing to do this. Um, meded101.com slash free book. If you are not an Audible subscriber, you can absolutely get this book for free. It's a really cool process. Uh, you don't have to stay if you don't want to. You don't have to continue to pay membership, but they do give you the first book free. So it's a pretty cool uh, thing that they let you try out. And I, I know the power of, of audio. Um, I love podcasts, and I'm uh, continually uh, learning a lot through audio uh, because it it does get challenging to uh, find time sometimes um, sitting down and, and reading a book, for example. So meded101.com slash free book. You might as well go give it a shot. Um, you can get the book absolutely for free. Um, see if you like Audible. And obviously, if you do, you can um, continue to pay the membership. But uh, the first one is absolutely free, and you can um, cancel if you don't want to pay uh, any amount after that. So uh, definitely go check that out. Uh, getting back to the tetracycline antibiotics, the biggest drug interaction uh, that I think you need to be aware of that can have clinical impacts are these binding interactions. And that's often because of cations. So things like calcium, things like iron, antacids, uh, these all can bind up the tetracycline derivative. And with that, if we bind it up in the gut, the drug is not absorbed. And if the drug isn't absorbed and getting into systemic circulation, we're not going to be treating the infection as adequately as we would like. So ultimately, these binding interactions lead to reduced concentrations of the drug in the bloodstream and ultimately put our patients at risk for treatment failure and worsening infections. So um, that's really the, the biggest interactions I see with this class of medications. I will also throw out their warfarin. Uh, these drugs can interact, alter 
uh, warfarin concentrations and ultimately raise INR. So it could increase the, the bleed risk there. So that's another one that I definitely um, keep an eye on. But with warfarin in general, uh, anytime a new drug is started, I definitely uh, take a peek and, and pay attention and make sure that um, we're not causing a significant drug interaction that could lead to uh, super therapeutic or subtherapeutic dosing uh, of that warfarin and an out-of-range uh, INR. So I think that wraps it up for today. Reallifepharmacology.com. I've got that free PDF giveaway as well. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the site, go ahead and check that out. Uh, top 200 drugs where I lay out three very important clinical pearls, highly testable clinical pearls um, that you may see in your pharmacology class and or um, board exam. So feel free to sign up, go check that out. And I also alert you when I've got a new podcast uh, available for you as well. So going to sign off for today. Thanks for listening. Take care and have a great rest of your day.